This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. Oh, I'm Molly. <laughs> and this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. That's right. Today, well, actually, we're both going to eat some. Um, we're having scones. Well, I mean, sort of. Like, I was all set to, like, eat us. I, I, I record this show from my bed. I don't know. I don't know if you or the listeners realize that, but you can, you can tell probably by the intimate tone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, I was going to eat a scone in bed because the other day, or yesterday, I think, yesterday was Sunday, today's Monday, although it's thir- it may be Thursday when you're listening to this, but you know you can listen to it whenever you want. It's a podcast. I made some scones. There was uh, one scone left, and uh, wife of the show, Lori, said, I'm going to set this scone aside so you can uh, eat it tomorrow. And then this morning when I went looking for the scone, it had been eaten. What? kind of family uh, do you have over there a family of thieves of bounders uh, god i'm i'm horrified for you and i don't even know who did it it could oh it could have been teenager of the god. show december it could have been cat of the show mimi it could have been a raccoon that's loose in our house wow it, it you- also could have been wife of the show Lori, and probably oh. was but yeah, probably Wow. Oh, my God. This marriage is your marriage is on the rocks. It is. Yeah, it's it's on the rocks. But but th- these scones didn't have the texture of rocks as scones sometimes do. So we'll get to that. Oh, God. I, I know. I you know, OK, I read down through the agenda. I, also, wait a minute. I want to say that I was talking with one of our listeners one day last week. Really? Yes. Someone who uh, who took a workshop with me recently. And oh, OK. We were having a one on one session on on the old Zoom. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. And she was asking me some questions about podcasting, but she asked if we script the show. And I just want to say, to be extra clear, we do not script this show. What we do is we have an agenda. Uh, Usually one of us is in charge of, quote unquote, researching the topic. And then we kind of write like notes to self in the agenda. I right? believe, is that what I, you would say? Yes, that's what I would say. I want to be clear that I think you're doing a new segment. It's called the Let's Peek Behind the Curtain. Some some people call it BTS. Which BTS, is, of course. Which yes. is also um, a Korean, Korean boy band. Yes. Yes. Uh, what I wanted to say is, Matthew, I looked down the agenda and, and saw you. You seem very, uh, very iffy on scones and i i i am not iffy on scones okay no i'm I'm excited i want to i want to be 
like the the idea of like you know and having an afternoon or a cream tea with a with a scone and jam and clotted cream and a cup of tea is so appealing and occasionally i have had a scone that was really good but not often so i want to i want to understand like how to how to make and find the the scones that will that will satisfy my scone fantasy huh well this is interesting because well we're gonna get there whatever okay it's, it's not interesting yeah. yet but it's clearly we script this show like i i don't see like <laughs> i understand so wh- why why the listener uh you know was wondering about this because if you've listened this far to this episode this could not sound more scripted right <laughs> it is tight okay so anyway let's start off as we always do on the old memory lane shall we okay uh, no, I'm going to go first. Yes, please. Okay. So Scones and I go a long way back. Uh, yeah, okay. I hope you've got on comfy shoes because we're going to walk way back on memory lane today. I do have comfy shoes. The first Scones I ever remember having were, uh, strangely enough, in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, which is where I grew up, uh, very far from the homeland of Scones, which we will get to in a minute. Okay. Anyway, but uh, I went to this school that was not very far from this, like, what we then called a health food store. Oh, Um, sure. Remember? Do do you remember health food stores? Absolutely. Uh, My parents would shop at Nature's in Portland growing up. Well, this one- what things I, I should ask my mom, like what things she used to get at Nature's, because I don't remember eating a lot of quote unquote health yeah, food growing up. Right. So. This one was called The Earth. And <laughs> right. And it was on Western uh, in Oklahoma City down um, like south of south of Chartel, I think. So I once wrote a blog post about my memory of the Earth. <laughs> <laughs> which is a planet yeah. that has passed My- into oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, do you remember the old Earth before before like humanity had to had to like oh. shoot off into a, into a variety of warring space colonies? Oh god, I've heard the legends. Oh my I hear god, it was very wet. I am on. Oh my god, I was trying to do a, a Battlestar Galactica reference, but mm-hmm. I can't remember the names of any of the. Oh my god! No, there's Caprica. Which is sort yeah. of the the Earth. Uh, it, it, Caprica is is a loosely veiled Earth, really. Okay, there's Cylons. There were, I no, watched one episode those, of the show. There's Edward James Olmos. Um, I love that guy. He's great. Yeah, he's great, great in everything. Okay, hold on. Let's get back to the Earth. Okay. Yes, let's get back. Finally. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to just read to you a little excerpt from a ten year old blog post, more than ten years old now, from this old blog called Orangeet. Now, what made you decide to do this? Because usually, if I start to read something from I, an old blog post of yours, you flee. You you flee to a space colony and never come back. Well, to be honest, I feel okay with this because when I cut and pasted the the post into the agenda. I cut out all the things that embarrassed me. <laughs> oh, okay, great. I'll, okay. Uh, so while you start reading, I'm just going to pull up the original. <laughs> okay, great. All right. So here we go. This is from an old blog post from March of 2010. Okay. When I was growing up, my elementary school was near a health food store called The Earth. It was not a large place, nor was it fancy. 
It was small and low-ceilinged, lit with fluorescent tubes and lined with vitamins in brown bottles. Does this all sound familiar to you? Absolutely, yes. And beeswax chapstick and sesame bars in plastic wrappers, and it smelled like lentil soup. I mean, is that not, like, really, I think I nailed health food store. Yes, although I think there's more to the smell than that. Like, there is a health food store smell, and I wonder if anyone's done an experiment to determine exactly what what the minimal components of that aroma are. There's yeah, you're right. There's a lot more going on in there. Yes, but I I agree. Lentil soup is part of it. Maybe that um, the the listeners who are active on our subreddit would like to weigh in on what are the various aromas that make up health food store smell. Yeah, or maybe or maybe there's been an article about this. That subreddit, by the way, is reddit.com slash r slash everything spilled milk. Okay. Full of nice people talking about nice things. God, it really is. It makes me believe that Earth was once a good place back when we lived there. Yep. Okay, I'm going to keep going. There was a cafe at one end where they served sandwiches and baked goods. And sometimes after my mother picked me up from school, she would take me there for a snack. It was pretty forward thinking of her, I now realize. Oklahoma City didn't and still doesn't have a lot of places like the earth. Places where you could buy natural cheeses or soy milk or jojoba shampoo. I had to leave that in just so I could say jojoba. Yes, okay. But now like <laughs> jojoba shampoo is, is available anywhere, right? Correct. But this this was like 1987 or 88. Oh yeah, no, I totally know what you mean. I remember we had jojoba shampoo at, like earlier, like around that time too, I think. It, it was, I remember thinking that like it was going to do like magic for me. And I remember my dad pronounced it Jojoba. Yes. <laughs> Just to be a dad. Perfect. Okay. I'm going to go again. Not that I cared so much about that stuff. What I cared about was the carob brownie they sold at the cafe and the bottle mm. of lemon flavored crystal geyser sparkling water I was allowed to wash it down with. This was the early days of crystal geyser. My mm-hmm. mother, sure. for her part, would get something similarly fine, a whole wheat scone with dried apricots. <laughs> the earth brought them in from a place called Love Light Bakery in the nearby town of Norman. And oh, my mo- uh, home of uh, the Flaming Lips. Uh, and also home of the University of Oklahoma, okay. the Sooners. All right. And my mother liked them so much that she would sometimes special order them a dozen at a time and stash them away in the freezer to be meted out over a number of weeks. Did I pronounce that right? Meted? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Unlike some whole wheat it's pastries. freezer. Unlike some whole wheat pastries, these weren't paperweights masquerading as food. They did taste delicately of wheat, but they were tender, fine crumbed, even heading toward flaky, studded with tangy apricots. Okay. So that was my first experience uh, with scones, is that there were these things that my mom would get at the health food store. And then, and I think I liked them okay, but then I, I think I really came to love scones a few years later when we were having Christmas with my father's side of the family, so my half-siblings, and my half-sister Lisa, who got at this point would have been like around 40 and was a very good baker and still is, she made and brought to Christmas like gallon-sized Ziploc bags of like eight different types of scones. Wow. No, and they were beautiful. They were like, um, they were cut so they were maybe, they were triangular, but they were maybe half the size of like a normal triangular scone. Sure. So that you could have multiple of them in a given morning. And she had made them all using one recipe that she had been given by a friend, I believe. And she called them Scottish scones. I make no claim to their authenticity. I will just say they were my sister's scone recipe. 
So there, there were, it was like one dough, many scones. Correct. And so there was one that she had put like frozen raspberries in, one that had like currants and lemon zest, one that had candied ginger and lemon zest. Uh, there was one that was blueberry. Anyway, it seemed so magical to me. Anyway, so yeah, she would just pull them out and warm them up. And that whole like Christmas holiday, um, you know, the two or three days that we were together. Well, I do we, pull them out and warm them up. We had delicious homemade scones every morning. And after that, I was like, I'm going to learn to make these and they just seemed like a, an obvious thing that everyone should love. And so anyway, I published the recipe, which I adapted a little bit in A Homemade Life. The version that's in A Homemade Life, I think the batch makes like eight scones. My sister made that same amount of dough into 12 scones. Okay. Wife of the show, Lori, mentioned to me that there's a scone recipe in A Homemade Life and suggested that maybe I should make that one before the epi- before we tape this episode. I did mm-hmm. not. And now I wish I had, because wouldn't it have been funny if I said, I made that recipe? Well, but, you know, I almost suggested to you that you make it, but then I felt a little shy because I worried that you wouldn't tell me if you didn't like them. That's true. Or and that also- you would, or that you'd lie to me and you'd be thinking that my scones are mediocre behind my back. Like, I didn't yeah, want you making my scones. Say, yeah, we definitely have a copy of your book around. Yeah, I, I didn't want that to happen. So you'll notice that when you ask me what scones to make, I just didn't reply. <laughs> That's true. I just realized that. But yeah. I, I went ahead and made some scones. It was fine. Okay. Uh, but hold on, Matthew. Yeah, memory yeah. lane. Your memory lane. Okay. So when I thought about scone memory lane, like the, the one time I remember getting some scones that really wowed me was at the Regent Hotel in Bangkok. Where uh, I think, oh on my god, two you are different occasions. Yeah. <laughs> so I think on two different occasions, wife of the show Lori and I went to afternoon tea at the Regent Hotel in Bangkok, which does a fantastic afternoon tea. And I remember the scones being like warm and kind of like fluffy, biscuity texture more than like what I think of as like crumbly scone texture. So I don't know, like. To, to what extent that would meet the expectations of someone who like grew up in in the UK, you know, eating scones in the afternoon, but they sure were good. I think they were they were like studded with currants, probably. Um, sorry, I was just eating a scone while you were saying that. Okay, well, uh, this is really interesting. I think this sets us up for for some real conflict later in the show. So, listeners, stick around because you hate the Regent Hotel. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I do. You're you're uh, partisan of the of the Oriental Hotel. Um, okay, how about we head straight into how we pronounce this word, Matthew? Okay. Oh, is this where? Oh, this is going to be the conflict. No, no, the conflict <laughs> is going to be about texture. We're oh, get okay. There. Yeah, not about the hotel. I don't. I don't care about those hotels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I care about other hotels. <laughs> which which hotel do you care about the most? Oh man. For me, I'm going to have to say it's the Bates Motel. I stayed there one time. It was very memorable. You know, I once stayed at this, I think my favorite hotel experience. Okay, here's our new segment that we're doing in the middle mm-hmm. of the show now called Hotels of Your. Yawn. Okay. Hotels of Your. That's what it's called. I like it. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait. Did you, what, what did you say? Of Yawn? <laughs> I can't remember how to speak English. Hithers of yawn. Anyway. <laughs> I once, so, oh my God, this is a really long story and I don't know what part of it is interesting. 
<laughs> it's, it's all interesting to me. It's my life. But anyway, when I was growing up, my parents became friends. This is in Oklahoma, okay? So, okay. Like, like, my parents became good friends with this man named Bill Jenks, who was the conductor of, like, a local chamber orchestra. Sure. Okay. This is what you expect from an Oklahoma childhood, isn't it? When you say a local chamber orchestra, you make it sound like no, there were there, a bunch think, of competing chamber I orchestras. I don't think there were. But anyway, and the Bill, competition got Bill brutal. Jenks was the conductor for like the Oklahoma City Chamber Orchestra. And okay. as a child, I was made to suffer through many chamber orchestra concerts at that Christ terrible. the King Church. It was terrible. Did, did um, you, were you allowed to fall asleep at least? What I do remember is sitting, you know, in, in the sanctuary at this church where the where they would play. And they had stained glass windows with the Stations of the Cross. And sure. that, that was how I learned that part of the Bible. Okay. Uh, can I name all the Stations of the Cross? There's uh, uh, Tottenham oh Court Road, Cock Fosters, uh, Piccadilly Circus. Oh my God. Um, Matthew, I'm going to move on now. But anyway, Bill Jenks, he was newly married to a woman who was a harpist. Of course, that makes sense. One summer, they were teaching at like an arts camp for teenagers or something in Colorado. And they had just had their first child. And these were really close friends of my parents and just lovely human beings. My mom and I drove from Oklahoma City to Estes Park, Colorado, where this camp was, to visit them and to visit their baby daughter. And they recommended that we stay or somehow we found this this hotel nearby called the Bald Pate Inn. <laughs> um, and it was like, you know, um, I, I mean, in my like, I, I was adolescent. I don't think I was in middle school yet. But so my memories of it, like, I, I don't know. I think you would say that it was like ski chalet style sort of. Yeah. But anyway, all the rooms, like it was my first time staying in a place where there were shared bathrooms, like all the oh, bathrooms okay. were like down the hall. So we had like a room with double beds. And there were handmade quilts on the beds. And these were quite like Spartan, but like it, any everything you needed and nothing you didn't absolutely need. Yeah, okay. I rooms. need to caution you. The quilting segment is later in the show. Okay, right. But anyway, I think there was like a little sink in the corner and these beautiful, you know, wood bed frames with the quilt. And it was just, it was lovely. And the hotel every night served a soup and salad bar, which to adolescent me was like the dream dinner. Oh, that does sound good. Yeah. Right? Because I could have like, all the ranch dressing I wanted on like iceberg lettuce. And they always had this cornbread that was quite sweet. And like, there was always chicken soup. That place was magical. And when I think back on it, I think that it's one of my favorite like hotel memories. Okay. Even though a few years later, my parents had a massive argument while we were staying there. And that was oh. a terrible memory. No, but I'm glad it didn't ruin the, the original memory for you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So there's right. our hotels of yonder. I'm gonna segment. I'm gonna give I'm gonna share my hotel of yonder story on the segment next week. Oh great! Okay, <laughs> I'm a hundred percent gonna forget. It's fine. Okay. Do you see why I couldn't figure out what part of that story was interesting? Uh, no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Okay, so I say it's scone, personally. <laughs> I say scone, too. But some people say scone. Some people say like, scone, right? Like rhymes with swan. And there's a poem that I found on Wikipedia about the two different pronunciations. I okay. shall now recite the poem. I asked the maid in a dulcet tone to order me a buttered scone. The silly girl has been and gone and ordered me a buttered scone. Ah, uh, doggerel. 
Yeah. All right. So um, here, I've got some some word history. Okay. Okay. I love that. The Oxford English Dictionary reports that the word scone first appeared in 1513. Pretty cool, right? <clears throat> and <laughs> yeah, very I, cool. What, <laughs> what I'm about to read, when I read it on Wikipedia, was initially so boring that I almost left it out of the agenda, but then it got better, and I decided that I'm going to read the whole thing verbatim from Wikipedia. <laughs> okay, so this is this is what that uh, advanced 30 seconds button on, on the podcast player is for. <laughs> Okay. No, no, I love I love word history and I'm excited for this. Okay. The origin of the word scone is obscure and may derive from different sources. That is the classic Scottish scone, the Dutch schoenbrood or okay. spoon, spoon bread, very similar to a drop scone, and possibly other similarly named quick breads may have made their way onto the British tea table where their similar names merged into one. Wow. Thus scone may derive from the Middle Dutch schoenbrood fine white bread, from schoen, which means pure or clean, and brood, I'm doing a terrible job with this, mm-hmm. bread, or it may derive from the Scots Gaelic term scone, meaning a shapeless mass or a large mouthful. That's a good word. Right? Scone. Uh, the Middle Low German term schön, meaning fine bread, may have also played a role in the origination of this word. And if the explanation put forward by Sheila McNiven Cameron is true, the word may also be based on the town of Schoon in Scotland, which is the ancient capital of Scotland, where Scottish monarchs were crowned and on whose stone of Schoon the monarchs of the UK are still crowned today. I did know about the stone of Schoon. Oh my uh, god, I love this. I would like to be crowned. I'm I am actually choking on my own words. I'm so excited about being crowned on the stone of Schoon. Yeah, I mean, I think like I, I was going to say like if you if you go to if you go to England probably you can like sit on the throne on top of the sco- stone I probably you can't. I, I had some questions about like how how uh, like British monarchs get crowned, but I I have a feeling you're not going to know the answer either. <laughs> so, you should watch the Crown. I we watched one episode of the Crown and it was and it was depressing and we didn't no, watch any others. No, keep going, keep All going. Right. Um, I mean it is depressing. Yeah, life is depressing sometimes, Matthew. I know, but but like that doesn't mean a show has to be like. Uh, where's you know the fun the fun king? No, I like to watch and listen sometimes to things that are depressing to like uh you know um to uh, not feel so alone. No, to milk my emo- emotions out, like to express okay. my emotions. Yeah, yeah, like, like breast milk. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um. I mean, I love sad songs, and I I, I mean the the Queen's Gambit is kind of is pretty sad, but we've been enjoying that a lot. Oh, the Queen's Gambit is incredible. Yeah. Wow. So good. This show is out of control. I mean, if there okay. has ever been a show that we're not scripted, it is this. So what is the difference between a scone and a biscuit? Now, for the rest of the episode, every time I say scone, I'm going to wonder if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. Skin or because, scone. Like, as I was making the scones that I made for this episode, which we will be getting to in another couple hours or so, I kept feeling like I was just I was making a biscuit. So, Matthew, you're not wrong there. So the basic ingredients are are the same. The flour, the butter, the milk or cream, leavening, a little bit of salt, possibly sugar. And the preparation is much the same, right? You mix together the dry ingredients, you cut or rub in the butter, and then you add liquid. Both doughs are also rolled or patted and cut into shapes. Yeah, and they're both baked in an oven, at least most of the time these days. Yeah, sometimes they're just eaten raw right off the cutting board. (laughs) Yeah. So it's helpful to me to think about the differences in terms of both like where they come from 
and also flavorings. So for one thing, biscuits are an American thing. Like they originated in the States, whereas scones originated in Scotland and they are associated with British high tea. So yeah, difference in origin, Scotland versus US. And then the other thing is scones are almost always embellished with things to add flavor. True. So, okay. Fruits, nuts, um, oats, or other grains. Whereas biscuits, you know, like, sure, pe- sometimes people add like cheddar and scallion or whatever. That sounds but, good. But when people think of a biscuit, I think people probably think of a plain biscuit. Whereas yeah, when people you're think right. of a scone, I think that at least most of the people I know think of a of something that has an additional flavoring in it. No, you're absolutely right. And uh, in addition to making homemade scones, we also uh, we we did a Starbucks run because I got a Starbucks card from work months ago and remembered that I had it. And so we went and picked up some scones and coffee beverages from from uh, this local coffee chain. <laughs> yeah. And uh, mm. so we got the, the Starbucks blueberry scone, which is kind of exactly what you expect. It's neither neither great nor terrible. Okay. But but you know it's gonna it's gonna be blue. The, the choices were blueberry or vanilla bean. Oh no, I don't like that. I don't. Yeah, want I don't a like vanilla the vanilla scone. bean one either. But the blueberry was fine. When I used to travel on planes, back when yep. we all used to um, sometimes travel on planes. Back when we lived on, on uh, the old earth. Yes, yes. I used to sometimes get a scone at Starbucks at the airport. But otherwise, sure. it's definitely not my preferred scone do- uh, destination. Yeah. I got to say that, like, probably my favorite thing about the old earth was the snacks. Oh, God, the snacks were so good on old yeah. earth. Do you remember soft serve? I do oh, remember soft God. serve. It just it doesn't work in the gravity here. Oh, no, no, no. Like you start to dispense it and it just like <laughs> sort of curls up and floats away. You have to because because we have reverse gravity here. It's not zero gravity. It's just like anything you want just just fl- floats off into space like a helium balloon. Yeah. OK, hold on. I'm going to say one more thing about the difference Please. between scones and biscuits. So the other thing is that biscuits are usually like sturdy enough to stand up to gravy or to be like kind of dragged through through like runny egg yolk on a plate. It's about time somebody stood up to gravy. Whereas scones are, they're not asked to perform the same feats. Like they're... (laughs) (laughs) But I do think of scones as sturdy. Scones are usually more crumbly. Um, So even though they are, yes, sturdy, they're crumbly, whereas biscuits are kind of sturdy and flaky. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I do know what you mean. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen. Uh, they've got, you can borrow appliances. Like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow it. No charge. <laughs> uh-huh. So like you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post-meeting drink. You can bring your pet Totally allowed. Oh, I love this. Oh, I see. They even have special pet items you can use. And they have the built-in alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier (laughs) when I am traveling and I have like a place to put away my clothes. Mm -hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody, nobody. Yeah, so like a whole closet system where I can really like unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then. And this is Town Place 
Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Matthew, what shape of scone do you like? What, what do you look for in, the, in a shape of a scone? I think of a scone as being kind of wedge-shaped or triangular, usually. I think the ones that we had at the Regent were, were more round. I've certainly had a round scone, but the ones I made at home were, were cut. I, I made a half recipe, and so, and so I cut them into, like, quarters. You know, it's interesting. When I was reading about these, I saw that commercially, most scones that are, like, sold in a bakery or whatever— are either round or sometimes hexagonal because like if you're using a cookie cutter, you can imagine with a hexagon, it's like more efficient. Yeah. But it seems to me that I I don't understand why all scones are not made the way that that recipes have you make them at home, which is like you make a big disc and then you cut it into wedges like a pie, right? Like you don't waste any dough. So I don't understand why anybody would ever use a cookie cutter on a scone. Hmm. I mean... Uh, this is pure speculation, but I imagine just like in terms of efficiency, it might be like faster to like, you know, roll the dough out into like a pan or a big rectangle that's, and then go at it with a hexagonal cutter. That's true because, yeah, especially if you're making like a huge batch of dough, you're not going to roll it out into a gigantic disc and cut it into gigantic <laughs> wedges. <laughs> that's right. Well, no, no, but you, you, cut, you roll it into a gigantic disc and cut it into like a hundred wedges, each each one of which is like ice icicle shaped. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I can't wait to visit this bakery. <laughs> Very fancy. Okay, yeah, I, I like a scone to be triangle shaped personally. I think that also differentiates it from a biscuit because biscuits are almost never sold in like triangles, right? No, but we we do make triangular biscuits at home sometimes, particularly cornmeal biscuits. Hmm. I didn't know you ever made cornmeal biscuits. Yeah, they're great with chili. Oh, God, that sounds great. Okay, well, let's talk about texture, because I think this is where stuff is going to get really heated, Matthew. So, okay, I'm going to go first. I think that a scone should not flake the way that a biscuit does. Like, a scone may have layers, but it should be more tender and crumbly than flaky. I don't under... Okay, in general, I don't understand people's obsession with flaky pastry, whether it's like biscuit or pie dough, because like the flakes themselves can sometimes be not very tender. And uh, I don't biscuit, like that. Biscuit flakes? We're biscuit, talking about? biscuit flakes? Yeah. And like pie dough flakes for that matter. Okay. Like I always prefer a tender, like shorter or sort of more crumbly texture. Yeah, over I think a flaky I remember texture. Shirley Cora her talking about how like there's there's like a, a tension between tender and flaky. Yeah, and I'm right? I'm flaky. I'm tender. I'm tender. Mm-hmm. I, I think I might be flaky. Really? Maybe. Oh my god, then we are definitely not gonna agree upon scones. I don't know though. Like I I think I may be like ready to retract some of what I put on the agenda. We'll see. Oh, okay. So yeah, I, I don't know what to think about, you know, the assertion that scones are 
dry because a scone is drier than a biscuit, but it shouldn't be dry. I mean, it shouldn't it shouldn't be unpleasantly dry. But yes, it's it, I don't want my scone to be as as moist as a biscuit. Yeah. yeah, I don't want that. I understand. So like, should I talk about the scones that I made? Yes. Talk about the scones you made. Okay, so I made oatmeal scones from Baking Illustrated, the uh, Cook's Illustrated Baking Cookbook. And when I was eating them, I was like, these are pretty good. But then this morning when they were gone and I couldn't have one again, I was I was pretty disappointed. And I'm going to make them again because actually they're, they're really quite tasty and they're easy to make. You toast rolled oats in the oven, which smells really good. And you like brown these oats and then you mix some of them into the scone dough and you press some of them on the top and bottom. And then you you glaze them with um, you, you hold back some of the liquid ingredients, which are cream, milk and egg egg and you use that to glaze the tops of the scones and then sprinkle them with sugar and as i was sprinkling with sugar i'm like this seems like a ton of sugar these are going to be too sweet but actually they were great like the flavor was really balanced they were sweet but not too sweet and i i think wife of the show Lori, found them too crumbly but now that we've had this discussion about like how scones are supposed to be crumbly and are and are supposed to have a different texture than biscuits i really enjoyed it you know, it's interesting about the sweetness aspect. Was there very much sugar in the dough? No, not very much. Yeah, I think maybe you maybe know, a couple tablespoons. Yeah, I didn't I didn't pull out a homemade life to look at that recipe, but I think it has three tablespoons of sugar in the dough for you know eight or twelve scones. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that I tend to really like about scones is that. They are like a sweet breakfast pastry, but not very sweet. And especially the ones that use oats, like they also get this like natural oaty sweetness that's like, well, pretty much exactly the flavor I want in the morning, personally. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not sweet like a Danish. Like, you know, you go you go to an event, a meeting or something, and there's a bunch of Danishes out on a table. I don't like that. They're they're never good. They're always too sweet. Let's pivot this episode. Let's be let's have this be the episode where we really lay into uh, meeting Danishes. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to move on. So I will say that I tend to like my scones with nothing on them. I mean, I might put butter on them, but I'm very happy with a plain scone. I, I think I just don't mind a little bit of dryness in my mouth. Okay. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I had mine with tea. Uh, did you did you dunk combination. it? I know. What's did that? You, I did, did not you? dunk it, and okay. I didn't put any jam on it, and it was just really good with tea. There are some scones that I have made that were on the kind of lighter, I wouldn't say fluffy, but the, the lighter textural side. And if you're into that, I would highly recommend this recipe that I put on Orangette in... 2011, it's for oat scones from a bakery in Portland, Maine called the Standard Baking Company. I remember that you, it has a lot of buttermilk in it. So they're not as tender or as moist um, or as sweet as like a muffin, but they are more moist than your average scone of the type that I've been describing here. So you okay. might you might check those out. We can link yeah, to I'll it in look the at show that notes. and see how they how they compare to the oat scones that I made from Baking Illustrated. How do you feel about whole wheat scones? Do do they make it seem like punishment to you? I mean, I don't know like when the last time I had one was. Like it doesn't 
you know, it doesn't sound appealing, but like on the other hand, there are a bunch of whole wheat things I like. Like, I, you know, we've been going through a large amount of frozen uh, Chinese and Chinese style and uh, Chinese and Korean pancakes from Wajamaya. And uh, one of our favorites is the whole wheat, whole wheat flat cake. Mm. And it's it's just like a fluffy, flaky pancake with a lot of whole wheat flour. It's so good. So so I think I think I like you know had some bad whole wheat bread experiences and and extrapolated from that unfairly. Obviously, if a whole wheat scone is good, then it's good. Well, so there's this really sweet cookbook called Breakfast Lunch Tea that came out a long time ago, maybe ten years ago, mm-hmm. published by I believe her name is Rose Carrarini, who's the founder of Rose Bakery in Paris and London. Okay. Um, and she does scones, I believe, with a cookie cutter, like beautiful, perfect, round and tall scones. But the recipe from that book that I really like best is for whole wheat date scones. Okay. And um, that recipe is also on my blog. We'll link to it there, too. But I really love... Are you um, relaunching your blog? Is that, is that what's going on here? Well, I think what, what we're discovering here is that uh, my blog specialized in a few... <laughs> a few choice baked goods, uh, scones and banana bread were my um, yeah. calling cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that sounds right. Anyway, so yeah, we'll link to the whole wheat date scones from breakfast, lunch, tea, which um, if you're open to it, I think is a great use of whole wheat. And the, the whole wheat flavor is so good with dates. Oh, I love that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I love scones. And I definitely, I think that the saddest scone is like a like a um a mass market American scone personally. Oh yeah, for sure. Like that is the saddest thing, and that is super dry and terrible. So I don't know. It makes me sad that um that that so many don't ever get to experience scones other than that. Okay, now that that was a good sales pitch. Thank you. So so we have several scone recipes to link to in the in the episode description, all of which are from your blog, I think. <laughs> Right? Yes. Unless we can Uh, also link to the Baking Illustrated one. I don't know. I will take a look and see if that is online, not behind a paywall. If so, we will link to that as well. Okay. Um, The recipe that's in A Homemade Life is also in Ancient History on my blog. Okay, great. I think made with frozen strawberries, which, oh my God, is also delicious. It makes for a really messy, like difficult to work with dough. But Mm. then you can imagine when it bakes, you've got like kind of the the biscuity flavor of the scone dough. And then these like jammy pockets where the frozen raspberry has softened in the oven. Oh my God. A strawberry scone is unconventional and delicious. Is the dough like really sticky and also like bleedy from the strawberries? The the dough is a disaster. It's like you put the strawberries in there, work it as little as possible and shove it in the oven. I feel like every time I work with a really difficult dough, like I feel like this has got to be good. Like to be to be worth like what my hands are going through right now. (laughs) Like, you know, this is definitely going to bake up moist and crispy. I know scones aren't crispy, but there is a great sales pitch for difficult doughs. Difficult doughs. Oh wow! It's about time we we collaborate. We write the spilled milk book, milk book, and it's going to be called Difficult Doughs, and it's going to be a metaphor for like how how we're difficult, but we're going to be talking about these doughs. Cool. And are mm-hmm. we gonna um are we gonna sell it on this planet, or are we going to try to sell it to... I do not think it would sell well on Earth, personally. Because there's nobody living there anymore? Because there's nobody living there anymore, and also it's a bad idea. But, but like, in space, 
nobody knows what's a good book or not. That's true. Like we're we're wiping the slate clean. We're starting over. We can sell difficult doughs. We can do hard things. We can do hard things. Yeah. Great. Here we go. Difficult doughs. Subtitle: The only book in space. <laughs> All right, let's move what on. What else are you going to read? Let's move on to everybody's favorite new part of the show. Segments. Segments. You know, we should have called the segments part of the show, like, Supremes. You know, like, like Is citrus it Supremes segments. or Supremes? Well, it depends on how French you're feeling. Okay. Hmm. No, we're not okay. going to do that. We're going to call it segments. All right. Okay. Moving on to Spilled Mail. Spilled Mail. So we got a we got an email from uh, from a listener Liz who, uh, uh, with her permission, we're calling Gin Fizz Liz. She wrote in about the word "busticate," "bustication," "busticated," which we used on a recent I used on a recent episode. Don't know which one. And uh, she said, "I'm here to offer you a bit of etymology. This word has been around at least since the '90s when I heard my mother, a born and bred Midwesterner, use it all the time." She was the type to not allow swearing in the house, and even at her most angry or frustrated, she would shout things like, I've got a multitude of things to do. Now, dang it. <laughs> I always understood Busticated to have a twinge of replacing a swear word edge to it, but still silly enough not to be very serious. Like, instead of saying that a hilariously failed baking project was fucked up, it was Busticated. So then Jin Fizz Liz and I did a little research together and found that people were saying busticated as far back as the 19s to mean busted. Wow. I've got to start working on this. Working on could I, oh, could incorporating I, busticated into your into your vocabulary. Do you think I could say it to my child like when I catch her trying to like get into the M&Ms or something that I told her she couldn't have? Do I go like you're busticated? Um, I mean, I think it means more broken than like caught in the act. <laughs> okay, uh, but like, like you, I think you could say like that is so busticated. Man, my body feels pretty busticated today. Oh yeah, tell <laughs> me about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was really interesting. Thanks, Jen Fizzliz. And uh, let's move on to our next segment: quilting. Yes. Oh, my God. I actually have a quilting update today. Okay. Okay. So I uh, have been sewing the binding onto my quilt. That's like the uh, the fabric that goes around the very edge that covers up the raw edges of the sandwich. Oh, the raw edges of the mm -hmm. sandwich. Mm -hmm. I have about one and a half sides left to sew. And it's been super fun, except last night, Ash and I were, so we have like a sectional sofa. And we were watching some old Arrested Development, as one mm -hmm. does, and we were sewing, as one yeah. does, while watching Arrested Development. And Ash was, like, sitting way too close to me and wasn't giving me, like, enough space to move my arms for my hand sewing. Sure. So my shoulder's, like, a little busticated today from my spouse just loving me too much and wanting I to know, be too like, close like, to me while I sewed. Isn't that awkward when, when like, your, your spouse is cuddling up to you and, and, you're, and you're like, this is nice, but also, like, could you move over there? Yeah. No, I was like, Ash, get the, get the, the, oh God, I'm trying not to swear like Jin Fizz Liz's mom. Right, right. It's really hard. Get the, get the flork over out of here. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so, um, yeah, I think by the time we, uh, record another episode, I'm going to be done with this thing. I'm excited. Do you think we're going to retire the segment then? Because we've really experienced a proliferation of segments. Um, and, we'll we'll uh, probably retire this one because truth be told, I do one quilt every four years. Okay. And so we'll retire this so one be, for a but while. But it'll be back. Like it's not, it's not, 
it's going on hiatus and it, and uh, it'll be back in uh, 2025. Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. L- let's move on to the next segment. Cute animals. The cute animal of the week is the purple swamp hen, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna link to a video of I was, it. I was very surprised that you referred to this as cute. It's so pointy. It doesn't look. It's very, very pointy and gawky, but but it, it has lovely coloring and plumage. I don't know what constitutes plumage other than just like feathers, but. I guess, I guess plumage well, is like sticky outy feathers. No, no, plumage is just another word for feathers. Okay, then it's got great plumage. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's it's like a it's it's a bird so so ugly you gotta love it, but also it's pretty. I love this description from Wikipedia. Would mm-hmm. you read it? Yeah, the western swamp hen is a swamp hen in the rail family Rallidae, one of the six species of purple swamp hen. From the French name Talev Sultan, it is also known as the Sultana bird. This chicken-sized bird with its large feet, bright plumage, and red bill and frontal shield is easily recognizable in its native range. I love that frontal shield. Yeah. Um, it's like a forehead. It's like a flat forehead, like, uh, thing. Yeah, it's a flat forehead thing. That's the that's the zoological term, mm-hmm. the ornithological term. Yeah. And I like, like, this bird is so stocky. Like, it's uh, not stocky, but stocky, because, like, it has these long-ass legs. And I think the reason it came to my attention was someone posted a photo of, like, a baby swamp hen, which is just, like, a couple of long-ass chicken legs with a tiny bird on top of it, and it's hilarious. Oh, my God. And the, the baby ones are really cute. They've got yes. black feathers, and they're really fuzzy-looking, and then they have, like, this red sort of patch on their heads. Yep. Anyway, no, I, I'm glad to know about the purple swamp hen. And I also love looking at the word on paper. It looks like swamp fen. Swamp fen. Yeah. Swamp swamp fen. fen. yeah. That's that's uh, a swamp fen is, is another uh, like fake swear word that Jin Fizz Liz's mom used to use. <laughs> okay. Quit, quit swamp fen around and... <laughs> And we're introducing a new segment. Uh, well, sort of. <laughs> this is a segment that we invented a uh, few few weeks ago, and uh, we're totally unclear on like what it was, and so we're redefining it. Yeah. And this yeah. segment is called Now But Wow. After some real conversation about what now but wow should be, we've decided that this is a segment uh, on stuff we're into. And yeah. so each week, Matthew and I each get to be into one thing here on Now But Wow. And I want I also want to say this is not an ad, even though some of the things we'll recommend are probably products or things that you have to pay for. Yeah, ready. So my Now But Wow this week is an anti-racist zine called Chinese Protest Recipes. So this thing was made by somebody I first came across on Instagram. On Instagram, uh, his handle is at the God of Cookery. His real name is Clarence Kwan, and he's a chef and activist in Toronto. For one thing, on Instagram, he does an incredible job of like unpacking and raising awareness of racism in the food world. Sure. He does this while also posting delicious looking Chinese food. So it's it's a win-win on all levels. Anyway, Chinese Protest Recipes is the zine he put together that's available as a free download. We'll link to where you can get it. He asks that if you download it for free, you donate to Black Lives Matter. And he's also selling like a limited print run of it, um, which you can find out about through his Instagram handle. So go check it out. Chinese Protest Recipes. This thing is so beautifully designed. It's really like sexy and smart and i really love it so yeah go to at the god of cookery on instagram 
Okay, I'm going to download it. I'm going to donate. I'm going to cook from it. Awesome. My Now But Wow this week is a podcast that is, it's an on hiatus and possibly defunct podcast, but you, because it's a podcast, you can go back and enjoy the whole thing. And it is uh, co-hosted by uh, listener Dara Wilson, who, uh, to be fair, I, I don't honestly know if she's still a listener of the show, but I know she has been in the past and we're friends on Twitter. And the podcast is called Money Haha, ha, and it's co-hosted with Yasmin Khan. I would describe it as a comedy podcast about personal finance, which like, the concept could not possibly appeal to me more. They have on hilarious comedians like Carl Tart and Heather Ann Campbell, and they talk about like real shit and like money and money problems, but it's also hilarious. And uh, Dara is one of the funniest people, and uh, she is currently producing a women-fronted online comedy night called Amazonians that we will also link to that is currently ongoing. But uh, we'll link to the podcast. It's called Money Haha. Ha. You can find it in, uh, in your podcast player, and uh, I highly recommend it. Awesome. I'm so glad to know about it. I just want to say the the podcast name, Money Ha Ha, all yes, the time yes, now. It's, it's a great name. It's, <laughs> when, it's way better than ours. When I go work on my budget later today, uh, I'm going to just, the whole time I'm going to be like, Money Ha Ha. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, yeah, check that out. All right. We should probably wrap this show up. What do oh you think? Oh my God. What is this, like an hour and a half? <laughs> uh, it, it only feels that way because okay. we're because we're in space. Um <laughs> And time time dilation. Great. That's a thing, right? So our producer is Abby Circatella. You can find us online at SpilledMilkPodcast.com and uh, Reddit, reddit.com slash r slash everything spilled milk. Is there anything else we need to tell people? I doubt it. Probably not. No. Um, we asked them for something on the subreddit, but I don't remember what it was. So well, ho- hopefully yeah. they do. And until next time, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk, the only podcast in space. <laughs> I'm Molly Weisenberg. <laughs> and I'm Matthew Amster Burton. All right. <clears throat> My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. 